Let's take a random guess. Who you think Sim's favorite character on the Wheel of Time is? <laughs> quick, quick, quick poll. Which one? Oh, which of the funny. main four? What do you guys think? <laughs> oh, this is funny. You don't even know. Oh, I know. I know. It's Matt. You know why I know it's Matt? Because he ninja loots stuff. Oh, you are effing ridiculous. Really? Are you? Oh, you're. You're really enjoying yourself right now, aren't you? A rustling sound caught the Pathfinder's attention once more. This moment of calm captivated them, and the sound of the leaves in the wind was palpable. There was a sense of the flowing magic and the life that existed even in the falling leaves found flowing through the breeze. The leaves floated like a boat sailing on billowing waves on the sea. This calm was indeed serene, and they each felt truly at peace. Welcome to Ashes Pathfinders your dedicated and trusted Ashes of Creation podcast. Join us as we share in the journey that reignites the embers and rekindles the flames in the hearts of those long left to cinder. I am your host, Phoenix, also known as Samorg. I'm joined today by our returning Pathfinder. Welcome back, Half Tilt. Hello, everybody. And also welcome back. Oh, that's it, actually, for today. Daedalus isn't here, but he will be here next week and we'll also have another returning Pathfinder next week. You're wondering if it's Faisal spoilers. No murder bunnies, friends, I'm afraid. Not yet. But before we uh, get started, we do have to give a shout out to the home of this podcast over at asheshq.com, the community curated website for Ashes of Creation. Also a shout out to all the Imperial Flames, which are the supporters here on Twitch, YouTube, and Patreon. Thank you so much for keeping this community's flames bolstered greater week after week, friends. Um, also, always keep in mind that if you'd like to do a call in, leave us a voice mail memo of sorts. You can do that over at one five three nine six six four six eight zero one. I'm also always happy to get more iTunes reviews. We're looking at hitting a goal of 100. And when we do, there's probably going to be some crazy awesome giveaway that occurs here in the community. Can't say what it is, but it'll be pretty epic. Um, but if you do go over there, leave us a five-star review and leave a comment, we will read that comment live here on the show. Um, you can also just leave a comment outside of that to our mail at ashespathfinders at gmail.com. Pathfinder grunt out there somewhere in the world. We'll get it to us when they're good and ready. Um, hopefully they're not too lazy on that day. But um, we've got a few things, a few show announcements uh, or HQ announcements. They're all really tied in together, honestly. Um, so I guess, yeah, first one is that as of today, there is an Ashes HQ and you video now posted over on Ashes HQ's YouTube, which is where you'll find this podcast and all the other content found linked and tied into asheshq.com and pretty much all the content that you see on this channel. So definitely go check it out. The video is now live. It's essentially an intro into what we cover, what's outlined there specifically, and just what you can kind of look forward to over there, both on the uh, YouTube and the Ashes HQ website. So go check that out. Also, we got back on track um, with a new Ashes Talk 
discussing the combat changes that were proposed by uh, Stephen Sharif over on the Intrepid Studios live stream for Ashes of Creation right before the holidays. So go tune in there, check it out. I'll read a couple comments around that uh, particular video, not all of them, but a couple that stood out. Um, referencing some other games we'll talk about those kind of an opening uh, but but yeah why don't we go in and do a little catching up friends real quick and, and kind of talk about what like half tilt and i have been doing in the past week what maybe you all have been up to i hope everybody had a really great thanksgiving if you uh do celebrate it like myself here in the u.s it was uh over the past week so um again i hope that you really enjoyed your time with your families uh, that you really made some great memories and that it was overall really great and safe for everybody. Have to tell what you've been up to, man. <laughs> uh, mostly this week, I have been taking care of myself and my family. We all got hit with the nasty flu right around this time last week. Oh, no. Kid, uh, kiddos have been off school majority of the week. The little one's been leaking like a faucet. And mm -hmm. I ended up missing about a day, day of work, day and a bit. And on, We're all on the mend now and feeling it's starting to feel a bit better which is good but uh yeah just been kind of laying around watching frozen way too many times and now those stupid songs are stuck in my head so <laughs> let it go songs Yay. are we talking about those particular ones <laughs> yeah doing let it go let it go i know um yeah so i i well i'm gearing up for a dnd &D uh live stream event that's going to be occurring over on the weave in the void channel later tonight um it will not be here on this channel for those that are interested if you're watching this though and stick around it'll be later this evening for sure um so definitely be looking forward to that it'll be over on the weave in the void we've been doing some dnd stuff uh offline but uh this week like around you know several hours after this podcast is going to be the first live stream of it it's going to be a long-term thing and we're going to be doing like the was it the lost minds of fendelver i believe is the campaign uh set in the D, D uh universe um overall though man i've been getting a lot of content out there it's been really nice to get back on track um i think i've probably put out between the channels somewhere in the area of like I don't know, man, like seven videos in seven days or something like that. Two podcasts, right? We got this one. We got the looking for more podcasts, which is on Thursdays, but we did it last week on Wednesday because of the holiday. Um, let's see. We've got uh, Ashes content, ESO content, a lot of game coverage. We did a lot of what the hell happened videos, talked about Arc Agent Chain, stuff with Activision Blizzard. Um, what else? Uh, freaking Chronicles of Valyria, always a good time to go talk about that one because, well, it's just, it's a good frame of reference of how a Kickstarter or what I view as a scam starter really does wrong by a community. And I think that it's a good week to actually kind of tie in some of the things that exist out there currently that, quite frankly, with, with things that have went down with New World, when you've got experiences like Dream World or you've got um, things, you know, scam starters like Chronicles of Valeria, which I believe to be a scam game, you know, uh, Dream World, which I still believe is probably a scam game, even though that they've been doing some things to try to, um, you know, save face, I think. When you've got games like that that are out there just really going straight for the coin purse, and then you've got a project like Ashes of Creation that quite literally is taking their time they're not rushing it they're really focusing on trying to release a very positive you know product that does right by the community i mean 
yeah, we we talk about, you know, it's it's easy to go around and say, oh, Sims a shill, a shill, or Sims like a white knight. It's like, no, homies, really? We're talking about facts and evidence. When you go and you look and look at all the projects that have been released, whether you're talking Kickstarter, crowdfunded games, right? Even games that are released by Triple, Triple Studios in the time that Ashes of Creation has been in development. The only one, aside from Ashes, that I can say I feel like is trying to do right by the community, is taking their time trying to release a solid product that's somewhere in the same domain as Ashes still in development is probably like Pantheon Rise of the Fallen. That's probably the only one I could say that about. Um, and it's definitely, you know, it's it's a neat, it's got a niche audience similar to like Ashes. I think Ashes is gonna like have a uh, a broad reach, but in terms of retaining the audience, I also still think that Ashes will be a niche audience. And and that's fine. There's nothing wrong with that. But I think that these are games where they're really focusing on doing right by the community. Yeah, and I see people in chat. Chronicles of Illyria, man, I'm sorry. I, in my gut, everything in me says this guy has no remorse, went straight after getting as much money as possible, zero Fs given, man, right? People can go and harp on Ashes and their cash shop and this all the time. Sorry, seen far worse, seen far worse, uh, you know, like references for cash shops, even in development or, or post-launch. Say what you want. The business model for Ashes is pretty solid. And if it if it can work, it's going to be a pretty solid model for a game, especially considering that their shop is cosmetic and does not do pay to win or quality of life, pay for convenience sort of stuff. Right. That's my perspective. But. Uh, I don't know, man. I don't want to rant about other games too much, but it just makes me you want to talk about being thankful this time of year. Boy, I'm thankful for Ash as a creation. I really freaking am. I will happily wait right now. I will wait. I'll wait for this game to release. I'll wait for them to take their time with it because I believe. I believe in everything I've seen. And I've got so much evidence that reinforces it that this game is going to do right by the community. It's going to have an honest monetization model. And I got now we're talking about five years of supporting and following covering this game. I feel like I kind of have an idea of what I'm talking about historically. Five years, I think I might have some information over the course of five years that maybe isn't just shill talk at this point. It's really not white knighting. It's five years of historical evidence. To support it. it, we're not talking about a game try that's launched and people don't know about it anymore. It's got five years, right? It's pretty significant. And you know, like I, I hear that white knight term tossed around every now and then, mm-hmm. and I think just about every content creator that supports the game in any <laughs> way, shape, or form has been called it at one point or another. For the most part, though, people understand that you know. That's not what we do. Yeah. We we say good things because there's good things to say. And maybe yeah. that's just a sign that <clears throat> there's so many other things out there that doesn't have all these great things to say about it. So we're just used <laughs> to hearing nothing but uh, negatives and um, oh, what's, what's the word? Crit- criticisms about a game. So anything positive now becomes white knighting. And it's, that, that's not really what happens because we criticize too. Yeah, we and, do. And that criticism is 
well well heard and absorbed by the community and by the studio and that's why you know criticize get on the forums there's a lot of great discussions happening on the forums right now people raising different points of view different concerns and they're just great discussion points yeah that doesn't mean that that negative is true and it doesn't mean that's saying that oh no intrepid's doing it right is white knighting that's maybe they just actually are doing it right in our minds right and that's you know, white knighting is, is running around saying this game is amazing. It's going to be the best. Everybody's going to love it and nothing else can compete. It's going to be mm-hmm. the Final Fantasy 14 killer. And I'm claiming that that's the new coin. It's no longer WoW killer. WoW killed itself as everybody said it would. Now it's going to be the Final Fantasy 14 killer. <laughs> but that that that's a really important uh, piece to take away is just maintain that level of positivity and support of the game because there is something there to support criticize where it needs to be criticized support it and, and encourage them where you think they're doing well that's mm-hmm. the best way to do it that's the best way to get Absolutely. confirmation and validation on their side that they're doing it right and that okay this system how we've got it set up how we've got it configured is gonna work as long as we can, they can execute what they're Absolutely. saying it'll be good yeah yeah. And, um, you know, I, I think that, you know, I'm doing a case study currently from a community member who's a part of the Ashes of Creation community who also backed that game. And I'm doing a case study based on a lot of the evidence they're sending. They've sent me. I've got this like log of information and data from here's when I got in. Here's like a snapshot of this person, their experience as a gamer they got in here were their experiences experiences with exola experiences with like working with like um or interacting with soulbound studios and their perspective and experience on like that the whole historical like you know points right so i'm actually going through and i'm trying to do a solid you know data uh perspective on like here's kind of what it looked like because that game was a game that like around the time ashes was launching. It's a solid reference point of two games that went to Kickstarter and where they're at right now, night and freaking day difference, man. I remember some people who were stoked about ashes, who were also kind of watching ashes, but their game was more Chronicles of Illyria at the time. And they were, I mean, I like one of them, like Whisperbird. she was like in my guild for a while. She had grew her YouTube channel. I mean, she fo- she's got a, a solid YouTube channel. I don't think she's creating now, um, but she she established a very solid footing, like grew quickly, grew well, did really good outlines on like, you know, what was going on with that game. And when Chronicles of Illyria got to the point that it did where they kind of closed down and stuff and, you know, it, it was like it was a heavy hit. You know, that was like her ashes. And so like it, I may not have backed it, but I had people that I knew who were backing it, who were looking forward to it. They were also, they had their foot in with ashes. Right. And, but they were super into it. And that game just never resonated for me. And then you see these people super hopeful for a game. And it's hard to see someone who's like really loves what someone's selling them really stoked about it dives in, they dig in and then you get to where that game got. And that's just, it's no wonder a game branded a Kickstarter game isn't automatically going to get some some like, you know, bias about it being a Kickstarter game and like having like a negative view or perspective. And, uh, you know, we talk a lot about that perspective piece and, and trying to have a healthy balance of like 
skepticism, having some constructive criticism, having constructive criticism. And I think we do a lot of that here on, on both counts. Um, but, you know, stepping away from talking about some of these other games and some of the experiences we have being thankful this time of year for ashes, like, like I am. And I know a lot of other people are, um, it's definitely reinforced. Uh, I don't know if you could reinforce my dedication any more than it's probably been considering how much I've dedicated to this game and, and covering it. Um, I'd probably say out of content creators that cover it, I'm probably one of the most dedicated to it. It's not to toot my horn. It's just, it, you look around you and it's, you know, when you're there still, and there's not very many people who have been consistently there still, it's pretty clear. There's only a handful of us that are and uh, come hell or high water. And so, you know, I think of like all of the different franchises out there. You know, we look at like Blizzard. Man, I I know it's rough, right? But we're we're shifting from <laughs> Kickstarters. And this I guess this episode's really about just being thankful. We're gonna talk about some community points and stuff too. But we can definitely make a whole show around this because it's real talk. It's it's we're talking about truth. Look at what's going on with Blizzard now over the years. And this is a franchise discussion, right? Um, Ashes of Creation has always had a focal point in building a franchise. It goes back to the days of the 2017 days of the Kickstarter and stuff, um, which is exciting because if you actually love the lore, you love what the game's doing, the idea of there being other games for you to enjoy playing set in this universe and potentially having a synergy between that. It was a really cool experience for me as a Blizzard uh, gamer, right? Like I had played Hearthstone, which, by the way, I'm more of a Gwent guy personally these days. I enjoy it and really play it a good bit. But it was cool to see your heroes on cards, these people that lore element, uh, lore characters in the cards you saw it in uh, heroes of the storm when they released their MOBA, uh, you had world of Warcraft, right? You had the Warcraft games. So they had a franchise. You went to BlizzCon. It was cool to go into BlizzCon and see this crazy, like statue of like a character of lore or like the freaking mechano hogs, the choppers, the freaking, you know, engineer created like, basically like motorcycles in the game and all this like this stuff you know you go to the floor and you see this freaking chopper and you see like uh this orc just like raw you know like those axes out like ready for battle i mean it was a great time and then you know you look at the state of the franchise now and not so great with the stuff going on with activision blizzard not so great that's no fault of the franchise right that that that's a top-down issue ceo and yes right and, and that's the problem is they they shot themselves in the foot with mm -hmm. severe negligence and, and yeah. you know that franchise unfortunately yeah it is so muddied now by all of this mm -hmm. bs going on and, and they they've they've ruined such a legacy in yeah. my mind so many people like i i don't play wow just on principle mm -hmm. anymore because i i refuse to give yeah. blizzard money but it that doesn't you know ignoring all of that that franchise is still everything you're, you're saying that it, it was yes still and exists. it could be more i mean 
you, we can sit here and argue about the direction the, the the MMO has gone over the years and whether we agree with it or like it or not, right. but that's not, mm-hmm. that, that's hearsay, um, not quantifiable necessarily, but that for that BlizzCon, AshesCon could totally be a thing. Right. You know, we, we, we've talked, how many times have we talked about tavern games and wanting a yes, card game absolutely. in Ashes? Then that becomes its own own thing yes. whether it, it could even be like an actual physical tcg in in the real world right like not yeah. just necessarily an online version like what we see mm. with gwent yeah it could be both true and, and we've talked about that a bit uh, it could be tv series a movie maybe they'll partner up with the creators of D and actually have a version oh release that is set in the ashes world mm-hmm. and they've got various campaigns set up in there like how cool would that be to do a collab with them because that's where the game came from anyway. So just having that extra endorsement would be huge. And I could totally see that being a thing. Mm-hmm. There could be single player games that come off of this. We got the battle Royale potentially coming back at some yeah. point as its own thing. You know, when obviously when all the systems and everything are in a more finalized mm-hmm. state, it's just the franchise aspect of this. We've talked about it so many times is huge huge and intrepid is one of those studios that you know not 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 to say it'll never happen but i don't i can't see it going down the same way that blizzard's gone down i don't mm-hmm. see them intentionally shooting themselves in the foot because of so many reasons biggest one being that they are not necessarily profit driven they are not for shareholders uh, do they want to make a profit absolutely and we want them to because that keeps content coming out year after year that grows the franchise that enables them to build a franchise. They have to make income, but that's, they're not answering to shareholders and they're not catering to the, to all of us fans that are just like, I just want to play something good. Now we understand we have to wait. And, and you know, that that's two sides uh, to the coin. There is you got shareholders breathing down your neck for returns. Then you got gamers being like, I just want to play it now. Just give it to me now. Mm-hmm. And then they bitch and complain when it comes to them. Like yeah. cyberpunk was a great example of that. Yeah, when it comes to them, and it's just unfinished and unpolished because it got rushed out. It's like, come on, you you yep. have to be patient and wait. Good things come to those who wait. Patience pays off, man. And you know, that's the thing too is you know you look at like the franchise, the Warcraft franchise. Now, I mean, like I, I don't play it on principle anymore either. Right, still one of my favorite universes, even though I know it's based on so many other things that already existed before it. It's still a great world. It's still a great story, in my opinion, right? And you know, you look at like you know, big reasons with Ashes. Like, I think I think Steven is your biggest reason. Like, because I go back all the time. I don't know how many times I've said this. I, I don't at this point. I've 153 episodes we're on now. I've I don't know how many times I've said this. Right? How many times before Ashes of Creation was even known? Before we found out this game existed or was going to exist, which is about five years ago now, roughly, by the way, this is about the time five years ago when we found out it existed. We found out because the website was like leaked, right? I don't remember exactly how. This is how it was found out. Someone found the website. People started talking about it. Oops. It wasn't six months later until we got the Kickstarter, roughly. And I found out about it. And so we started talking about it. You know, I'd, I'd be doing live streams. We'd be talking about it. I'd be talking with the buddies. My army buddy, Anger Drop, I tell a story all the time. He's the one that told me about it. I was like, wait, what? He's like, have you heard of it? I'm like, no, what? 
went and found out, read up about it. I was like, interesting, super skeptical for another six months, by the way. Still skeptical. I didn't pull the trigger to support fully until the end of their Kickstarter. Days, probably hours, actually, within that 24-hour window before I pulled the trigger and actually was like, okay. I had to sit back. I was dissecting everything. I was critical as hell about this game for six months going, yeah, but we've heard this before and here's where we've heard it. Yeah, but we've seen this before and here's how well that turned out. Yeah, but that was me. Skeptical, critical, and I sat back and watched and I was like, okay, all right, let's see. Because you know where they usually screw up is, you know, you, you go into it and they end up contradicting themselves somewhere. And it didn't happen. It didn't happen for six months. And I was like, okay, so that's weird. I expected that to happen. Didn't happen. We got to the point where Kickstarter happened, man. And I always, how many of us talked about for years with our unhappiness of how many other games went? How many of us talked about that? What if needle in a haystack scenario where someone with the money, with the wealth, decided, who was also a gamer, decided they wanted to make an MMORPG and do right by the players, where there wasn't a board breathing down their neck, where they didn't have to give a damn about that stuff because they could say it. They could go, here's the vision. Here's what I want. Here's what the people are going to get. And I can ensure, because I don't need anyone else to make it happen, I can ensure that this is a possibility. And and someone competent enough to pull it off. Right. And keep the focus and not to have the yeah. scope creep that is now Star Citizen. Oh, gosh. Yeah, that's such a mess to talk about. Yeah, I don't want to make it about that. But right. Jeez. The, the, the fact that, you know, Stephen came in and he it's very obvious the way he conducts himself that he has an ex experience in running a high level enterprise mm -hmm. where, where like an intrepid he's put together an amazing team to fill in all of the gaps that he can't do himself and to take the load off of him and that is just the basis of a team leader like i remember hearing a long time ago mm -hmm. i think it might have been robert kiyosaki quote if you're the smartest person on the team and you're the team leader you're a fucking idiot yeah. because you you need to like you, as a team leader that is your goal is your objective is just to lead that team to the finish line it's mm -hmm. to build that vision get everybody else to buy into that vision organically and mm -hmm. want to help everybody get there yes. that's the job as the team leader and steven does that very very well he paints an amazing vision that's what got all of us into this game well me anyway i'll speak for myself but i'm pretty mm -hmm. sure most of, a lot of most people. of you guys can agree uh, with that statement and the the people that come on board too, and the fact that he's pulled in some absolutely top notch developers and coders and writers and just everybody else surrounded himself with really strong people is, is huge. That that's the key difference. It, like I, th I bet there's a lot of people out there that are gamers that have the money that could fund a game, but do they have the ambition, drive, and experience to do so? Yeah, I think sometimes, too, like the ambition, like the vision. You know, there's a lot of uh, those factors that I think come into play because, you know, you see these like really good 
like there's some there's some games that are promising by creators we've never heard of solo web developers um there was like this there, anyway not to tangent too much but i think it's important reference points uh there's like this one called hold on a second i've been kind of looking at and it's some it's an unreal developer and i'm going to give you all the name to kind of tell you kind of give you an idea of like what it is i i see sometimes out there that it intrigues me that this game is called path to Etenway, i think i just randomly came across this right this was on a random feed of one of the twitters that i have right because unfortunately i have several for different shows and whatnot whatever else right just randomly came up and you see these like random developers doing it all on their own now i'd be a solo rpg but you see people who have like the potential skill the potential passion but you look at an mmrpg you are having to weigh and balance a lot of different pieces over a long period of time so it's a massive undertaking and you know you better have the people in place that have the skill and know how to do it and that means that yeah like you said these there's going to be people that are better at something than you in their area their domain you want that you know you don't like you said you don't want to be the person that knows best for a lot of different areas because you're probably not doing it right um What's doing it right? We talk about a franchise, though. Something I've enjoyed the past week or so. I've looked at, and well, there's another MMORPG in development. We don't really talk about a lot here. Anybody know what it is? It happened happens that they have another game set in this universe already. That's a MOBA. Recently, over on Netflix, a series has come out called Arcane. This is in the League of Legends area which yes they are working on an mmorpg set in that world now i don't know if people have checked this out but you want to talk about franchise you want to talk about like really hitting that marker on franchise performance and we're talking like real good quality by the way i am i i have been very pleasantly surprised by the arcane series i'm not a league of legends player not my thing i like bobas i like smite I like that perspective. League of Legends, it doesn't play the way that feels comfortable for me. But I respect it. It clearly does very well. Uh, an old web, uh, old uh, developer, Ghostcrawler from World of Warcraft, actually had went over there sometime around Cata, I think it was, or something like that. I believe it was in Cata or post-Cataclysm or whatever, somewhere around then. Um, and that Arcane series, you want to talk about a hell of an entryway into a franchise? If I, I wasn't interested in the idea of their MMORPG previously, the Arcane series was is very well done, looks amazing. The storytelling is done amazingly. It's visually appealing. It is an animated series, but it feels just quality is beyond, I think, probably any animated show I've ever watched from my perspective. It hits, it just looks, feels great in every area you could hit on. If I'm going to watch something animated, it hits every marker and then some. And if I wasn't interested in the world of the League of Legends before, oh, I, I am now. I'm super interested in it now. It makes me want to wiki dive. It makes me want to go look up the stories of these characters. It causes me to be very, very interested stepping away from the idea of franchise how about 
oh, I don't know, the Wheel of Time recently, right, comes from books, amazing storytelling. We talk about and have a high level of appreciation for storytelling on this show, especially with Ashes of Creation. We spent episodes talking about that recently. Wheel of Time, if we're talking about something I've been doing lately that I've been enjoying thoroughly, Holy Hell, Episode 4. In the beginning, in the beginning, I was like, eh, feels a little fast-paced, feel like we're kind of missing out on some things. We talked about this in the LFM podcast, which is a sister show of this one, right? Usually on Thursdays, 5 p.m. Central here in the U.S. Check it out. It's awesome. We talk about all things gaming. Kind of getting a little taste of that with the variety we've hit on today. Um, but the point is we hit on all things gaming, geek culture, nerding, and all that, right? We were talking about the Wheel of Time. Episode four, man, was I think they found their footing. And all I got to say is, holy shit, there was a Lightbringer moment in there. And I was like, oh, my God, that was awesome. I was like, kind of like, eh, not sure how I feel about it. It's well done. But there's clearly like little, you know, hints to the people who clearly read the books. Great entry into someone like me who hasn't read the books. It's going now I want to know what's going on in the books because they totally hooked me with that show. But episode four was like their footing. That was the moment, I think, for me where they were like, OK, I can follow this. It's good. But that was the moment that they hooked me. And I was like, shit. OK, I'm invested now. I'm invested. Episode four did it. I was like, shit. It's taken everything I got not to go wiki and look this thing up and just to get through the next three episodes. It's killing me. I've got to wait every week. But man, uh, credit to Amazon Studios on this one for getting back to letting us do that. I think I've been a little spoiled with things like The Witcher and like some of the other shows that release all at once. Ooh, it's killing me to wait another week right now. Dude, that's been the hardest part. Like, I, I also haven't read the book, so I have no idea what is coming. I feel like that intrigue is even more just having the not knowing versus trying to compare it. Mm. I don't know. I can't speak for that because I'm not a huge book reader, especially fantasy stuff. But mm. man, I, it, it's it's been a bit of a slow burn. I, I was really impressed with the Trollocs. I thought that they were exceptionally well done from a costume perspective and, and just their aggressiveness, their weapons and everything, their, their fight tactics. I quite enjoyed uh, that scene, that whole scene. I think it was the first episode where they just came in and ripped the village apart. Oh, like, shit. That, that was epic. That was absolutely epic how, how that was done. Um, I, it does feel a little soapy and slow in a lot of places for me. And I guess we'll see as the show kind of burns on. It'll pace will probably pick up overall. And we'll still have the odd slow scenes. Mm -hmm. And that's fine. But. I've quite enjoyed it. It's been a great date night show. And uh, yeah, nice. I'm in the same boat. I really, really wish that we could just have it all right now so I could binge watch the crap out of it and then be in the same position I'm in right now, want, waiting for the next season instead of the next episode. Mm -hmm. But, you know, and, and, and I got to chat, chat. Anybody watching, listen to this right now. Let's take a random guess who you think Sim's favorite character on the Wheel of Time is. <laughs> quick, quick, quick poll. Which one, oh, which of the funny. main four? What do you guys think? <laughs> <laughs> oh this is funny you don't even know oh i know i know it's matt you know why i know it's matt because he ninja loots stuff oh you are effing ridiculous really are you oh you're you really enjoying yourself right now aren't you don't clip that we don't need that it's gonna get clipped damn it 
That was a damn gotta moment. Okay. Cre credit, credit where credit's due. That was well done. We don't plan this either. That's the even more ridiculous part. I, there's no way I could have anticipated seeing that coming. That came up in my mind like 10 seconds before. Oh, damn it, Half Tilt. All right. Kings DU, friend. Anybody count on Monte Cristo understand that? Kings DU thing. It's great. Yeah. Damn it. Well done. But also, F you, homie. <laughs> <laughs> much, much love much love <laughs> that comes from all the love of the world though but i'm saying it <laughs> oh my god dude i, I make the, the reference hell? at least once a show i had it, i couldn't miss it you gotta keep the narrative alive right i mean otherwise margaret wouldn't talk about it steve wouldn't bring it up other podcasts wouldn't talk about it infamy man it's a powerful thing yeah i think anyway anyway moving on moving on so these are i'm curious what people would like to see like i keep thinking of other universes that have really well done uh sort of like orbiting material now i would consider the will of time i don't know if i'd say it's orbiting of the books but i definitely feel like it's i, I view that as more of like its own plane of existence of the same like an alternate reality of the same universe is how i always, I always look at it like that i look at like the witcher game of thrones things like that because you gotta change a lot of different things to make it work for a show something i don't think people always understand like these like frames of reference that sometimes occur in books right that takes a while for them to like describe and do all that like sometimes it, the thing is, is in a book you've got to imagine things so sometimes they, they have to like sort of like play certain things out, write it out a certain way. They need to get you to a place where you're imagining that for yourself, as opposed to in a show or a movie where they are sort of delivering that for you. Right. So you can do that a lot quicker. Um, but anyway, the, the thing is, like, I, I make that point because it, it's it's a very different presentation of the same sort of thing. And I always try to look at it like that. If I went and, and looked at Lord of the Rings movies and picked it apart and said it doesn't look, I, I'm very understanding, right? Which is why when I say the Prince of Persia movie was an absolute traitorous thing to have happen for the Prince of Persia trilogy, you can understand that I mean it and that that's a very different, uh, a very different scenario than like your own you know you know your own like sort of like explanation of the same thing and then there's like get taking elements and doing something that doesn't even make a damn bit of sense because it doesn't even work in the same way it's not even the same story or universe where you do that you just go here's a dagger here's sands of time we'll call it a vizier we'll call it a princess we'll call it a this we'll call it a that prince of persia not the same thing right at least Tolkien and The Witcher and Game of Thrones, at least they're like kind of like, you know, pretty close on a lot of stuff as opposed to way over there going, here we go. And you're like, here we go. What the hell are you doing? I'm sorry. That rant will always come up when you talk about adhering to a vision or a story. I can't. I can't even stomach that thing. I tried. It's nothing against the actors or actresses. It's the person that decided to write the story. You freaking failed, man. You didn't even come close damn it i think that that's an important thing with franchising like when you 
create <sighs> different different stems off the franchise, different mediums to explore different things. It's still set in that same world, that same universe. Even if it's a book turned into a movie or TV series, yes, I would not want it to be exactly the same. I'll listen to an audiobook if I want to hear the book or if I want to read it, I'll read it. If I'm watching a show, I don't want it to be exactly the same as the book. I want it to be mm, – You want it to be different. You know, right? it can be a retelling of the book in a, in a different take but still very much grasps that universe, which is to what I've understood Game of Thrones to kind of be from mm. all the things I've heard. Again, I've never read the books. Yeah. But that's kind of what I took is that they really strayed away from the books. But, you know, aside from the finale episode, it was a great series. And, and even the finale episode was good. It just, you know – was rushed but you look at there's so many other franchises that that do this very well star wars they started with movies yeah. and they got tv series they got games and card games and all these other things you could we could sit here and talk about the success of some of those different avenues they've went down but the games were True. huge correct me if i'm wrong but i think ashes is the first mmo or, or first franchise to start with an mmo and not have something else that it's built off in the past. I, I'm scrapping my brain to, to think about one right now, but uh, you know, I know, I guess technically it kind of started with the D and D campaign, but that wasn't a publicly available uh, part of the franchise. That was a private, right. private endeavor, <laughs> you know, if, but you could take this as far, like look at Lego started with bricks and toys and then became TV series and games and, all kinds of collabs and stuff like franchises come in so many different forms and shapes. And the point is to try to reach different audiences, try to target a different demographic with different mm -hmm. pieces of it to bring people into this universe. And then they explore the other areas of the franchise. Yeah. It's that initial hook. The MMO we already know is kind of going after the largely existing MMO pop uh, player base in, in the world with the hopes of maybe drawing in some new folks as well. But when they start to franchise out into other areas, whether that's games or TV or toys or whatever, uh, an Ashes Con, you're going to start to bring in a lot of other eyes. And then that's going to bring more attention to the MMO over time. That's going to grow the franchise. And that's a long, long-term vision. I think Intrepid has that. Yeah, I'm trying to rack my brain right now and think about if there's been another. And I don't think so. I Everything I can think of. I mean, there was one that I could think of that was doing something similar. Saga of Leucemia, which I had covered previously. I, you know, know the I know the person who who created that universe, Renfell, right? He's actually now on my other podcast right he's the person who's dming the D, D campaign that that whole that game was a essentially it was sort of formed similarly now ashes is formed uh sort of from a D, &D campaign uh stories that he's written he had a book out already echoes of the past it was like actually talking about it and then that that was the only other one that was sort of like starting off similarly with uh you know much less you know i would say a lot less money behind it uh didn't have steven sharif sort of like spearheading that it's now the game itself is now unfortunately uh well depending on how what your perspective is i i consider it a dead game now it's now called embers adrift there's a whole reason behind that um all i can say is i wouldn't do it homies renfield's not a part of it anymore 
right? We still uh, can't confirm or not anything around that other than he's not part of it anymore. His brother's not a part of it anymore. You're kind of talking about the people that you're saying this is the person who has the vision. You know, it's imagine if like in the middle of Ashes of Creation, Stephen was like, all of a sudden one day, you don't really have a clear answer as to why, but Stephen and his partner John weren't a part of it anymore or something. And the game was continuing on and no one really said anything about it. Continue charging um, pre-order packs for a while. And then, you know, all of a sudden you go, yes, these people aren't a part of it anymore. Can't really talk about it. Um, okay. Um, you, you're getting a different game. We're going to call it uh, Ashes Can Creation or something. Uh, it's probably, uh, we'll, we'll just call it, you know, um, ashes adrift. There we go. Ashes adrift or something. And they're like, um, and you know, and there were like pre-orders and stuff like that, that kind of existed. And these people are, you know what I mean? There's like this whole situation of like, well, are we even getting the same game? And it's like, it's not even the same thing. P the people who wrote the story aren't even there anymore. It'd be really weird. Um, you, a lot of people would probably say it's, you're not really, it's not the same game anymore. There'd probably be a lot of questions around that. I can't say anything more, but imagine that. That's what Embers Adrift is, right? So people that don't know. Is Embers Adrift dead? No, they're definitely planning on launching. Am I going to call out that game's going to be dead on arrival? Yes, I am. That's just my prediction. It's based on nothing more than the facts and evidence I have seen and my own gut feeling and a little bit of speculation, and it's an educated guess, right? But I, I, I feel pretty confident about my educated guess. DOA. That, that, that's like when you walk down the street past this restaurant, little dive restaurant hole in the wall that you've been in once before and you swore you'd never go back to because it was just an absolutely disgusting, horrid experience. You walk down the street and one day you see a big sign that says, under new management. Are you inclined to go in there again and test it out? Um, Fuck no. Nah. Definitely not. You, you like you're not gonna go back the under new management sign i'm not saying the, the game was uh that dive yeah. but the under new management sign does not trigger new people if anything it might turn people away at least mm -hmm. it has for me in the past usually you know <laughs> so seeing a game kind of just rebranded at that stage of development if you were in it and supporting it and everything leaves like a I'm year a, later silence for a I'm year not a, you know publicly yeah like i'm not a fan anymore I used to love the Colorado Avalanche. They were my favorite hockey team. And then every player that I loved on that team either retired. Well, they've all retired now. <laughs> <laughs> Dating myself a little bit there. But they all left. And it's like, well, it's just not the same team anymore. It's not my home team. So they're not my favorite team anymore. There's a, they all got a special place in my heart. Mm -hmm. They always will. But now, you know, I've moved on. Man, and, and the thing is, is like the reason to be excited about that game, it, it's gone. The the person whose vision, the person who would like hype it, who would be excited about it, like it was. We've talked about it before. It's it was a very niche game. It was going to feel very party focused, very D and D sort of campaign focused. Like your stories, your quests would take a long time. You could solo adventure maybe around. It was very niche. Hit a very specific audience. And so now, and now you're just kind of, at least for me, I'm like, uh, the person whose brain this came from isn't even a part of it. Like, why would I want to do that anymore? Like, right. Like that's the person that sold me on the vision. They're not even there now. Like what the, nah, man, I don't want to, don't even want it. It just feels sketch and weird. And it's not even the same thing now. And, and I'm no, you know?
it's like trying to someone try to sell you on a, a completely different vision and game and kind of expecting that, like, you know, what you were there for. Well, we're not giving you that now, but glad you're still with us. You're like, huh? No, I'm not. No, I'm not. I think it's it would be different if the game was out and had a long had a following and a a base established already. Like if it existed and had people in it and then all of a sudden everything changed on the back end. And even if promises were changed, you're, you're as a player, you're still going to be inclined to at least see what the future holds and test it out and experience mm-hmm. it rather than just wash your hands at the side of the news. Yeah. Some people might do that. Some people might be intrigued to come in and test it out. That churn will probably even out relatively close, but for the most part, you're going to want to check it out and see what's going on. If the game had taken a bad turn and now it's under new management. Okay. Now you're excited. You know, well, I remember when Diablo three went under, undergone some top level changes and it was in a really, really bad state. People were like, Oh, maybe there's hope for this game after all. And it turned out to get a lot better as a result. Like a ch- leadership recognized that a change was necessary and they made it and it got, it drastically improved things. So give it a chance to come out, get it on the shelf first, then make that change. And you might, uh, you might see people stick around and see it through a bit more. You know, I, I definitely can agree with a lot of that too. And, and I, I, as we're kind of going through, you notice we're sort of like just hitting a lot of different subject matter. These are things that have sort of been orbiting around orbiting discussions that were sort of just pulling in today and sort of hitting on all these different things. Cause if we're going to have an episode where we're talking about being thankful for ashen ashes or asses of creation, as Steven likes to sometimes call it and, and other people as well, um, accidentally, um, it happens. <laughs> it <does> happen. <laughs> so my, my first job ever as a person, I, I finished high school doing this, put myself through college doing this. Um, I was a dishwasher at a golf course, uh, a banquet facility, and my boss was this, not uh, I, no racism here, but he was a 70-plus-year-old Asian man, right? Very thick accent. My name, my real name is Ash, and he always pronounced it ass. <laughs> Where is ass? Get me ass. Go find me ass. And, and it didn't take, I worked there for years, right? And, and I was great. one of his favorite guys. But it didn't take long for him to realize, I don't even know, maybe he realized it right away, what, what he was actually saying, like what it sounded like. And of course, everybody around me, like it was the running joke for years working there. And I, I don't care. I, I'm not offended easily, like whatever. We, we had fun with it, but you know, just, you just reminded me of that. Did somebody, <laughs> did anybody ever go, hey, get that ass over here? Oh, uh, all <laughs> kinds of things, all kinds of things. Probably things that aren't appropriate for the show. Yeah, it's fine. You better get that ass over here. It was all good fun. (laughs) Where's ass? Get that ass over here. He's shouting this across a kitchen, right? No doubt you can hear it out in the in the dining room and stuff at times when we're busy, oh, and he's God, just screaming dude. it like, "Where is ass? Go get me ass!" That's funny as hell, man. That's great. I mean, you know, so ass of creation really uh, strikes a strikes a note with me there. It's too funny, man. Like there. So when we talk about combat, right? We 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 talked early on in the start of the show, and I did promise we were going to get back to this. There was a couple conversation pieces. Well, I, I posted that Ashes talk. It's great getting a lot of a lot of people that are sort of like at least viewing it. Not a lot are actually commenting on it, but we did get a couple comments I wanted to share. And it, I noticed two different people are actually talking about, you know, some perspectives that they have. Right. 
we talk about the combat system. We all know that within Ashes of Creation, <clears throat> it's a tab action hybrid system that they're going for. And I saw some comments about the um, the combat system not being uh, sort of um, cemented already. I think it was the words that were used by the person that posted on the forums, okay? And so, you know, why has it not been cemented already? And I'm like, well, if you understand the vision that was outlined, right, this is something that isn't going to be cemented for quite some time. And this is why we're we're bouncing around on this. And I can understand how that could be sort of confusing. There was a lot of comments from different people as well. Like there's someone Chief and uh, Billy all here. They both made a reference when they looked at uh, the Ashes talk, that most recent one, right, about the tab in action combat. And I see references to Guild Wars 2's combat system, hybrid combat system again. Um, and, and, you know, like one person said, tab would be fine. I do like Guild War 2's hybrid system. But the indecisiveness is delaying the game unnecessarily. And since someone at Intrepid needs to make a command decision today, we are serving Coke products. This is a quote, air quotes here. We are serving Coke products, not Pepsi at the party. Quotes, well, this his name won't come if we don't have Pepsi. That's unfortunate, but he will still be welcome. The changes in mind. Not really too sure about all the quotes, but I, what I hear is someone at Intrepid needs to make a decision today. Then this other person says they should take inspiration for Guild War II's combat system. Guild War II's combat system is a hybrid one, and to this date has the best hybrid combat system by far, in my opinion. I played a bit of BDO and Terra, and to be quite frank, I had, uh, quite prefer the hybrid, so... Uh, Guild Wars 2 is the ideal game. Its open world event system is also fun. Lore is stellar and story could be improved upon, but it's still good. The lore, I don't know, man. I'm kind of hit or miss on that one. It really didn't captivate me a lot. Respectfully, I'd have to disagree on that, but I do appreciate, you know, a person contributing and sharing, right? My opinion's not the right one. It's just mine. It's just my own, my own thoughts. You know, the beautiful thing about different games, stories, MMOs, whatever, is that some appeal to us because this is sort of our thing and to others because it's theirs. And that's great. And that's why the variety and having more than one MMO to play, in my opinion, is a great thing because it, it serves the different audiences <clears throat> and gives more variety and more things for us to try that we might like or find out we could get into now guild war two, uh, guild wars two, um, as a whole, I can respect what they're going for. It doesn't feel very fluid for me. A lot of the times, the the system in itself, I've played both like the 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 hunter ranger style, I've played the melee style, I've played the caster a little bit. It just never felt intuitive for me. Like the 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 weapons for going underwater combat, I don't like it at all. Right, I would actually just prefer to still continue using my own abilities and skills and have them be potentially uh, altered based on the fact that I'm under underwater if you want to. And with Ashes, would this tie in great thematically for what they're going for? I think so, because they even talk about seasons and weather potentially having an impact on how some skills and or abilities could be utilized uh, and impact things in combat differently. Um, do we know exactly what the scope of that is going to look like? No, we don't. We're not there yet. I can't appreciate the first comment, though, about is indecisiveness actually delaying things? I don't know that we can say that that's the case. Uh, 
if I was to say what has delayed the game at all, I'd say it has far more to do with the backend architecture for the systems and the server code and things of that nature. This has been the predominant thing that's been specifically focused and outlined in reasons for their delays, not the combat system, right? Have they tried different things with the combat system? Yes. However, as someone who's played since Alpha Zero, those have never been the things that have been reported as causing hangups. And I can confirm this as a tester as well as a consumer, because I've been given the, the ability to communicate over all the testing stuff that we've done so far, all the way up to the current stuff, okay? If there's anything else in place that I am not allowed to talk about, well, if that happens, you'll hear the, the classic sim say, I can't confirm or deny anything related to A, B, or C. But at this point in time, I can confirm from testing all the way back as far as it goes, because that's how far back I go with testing, the combat system has never been a cause for delay. Only the systems and the backend architecture. So while I can't appreciate there being some decisiveness around combat, I don't see indecisiveness. I see it, it actually being something that's been changed a good bit, but it's because they want to try different things and see what really fits what they're going for. Now, I can I can appreciate that if decisions need to be made and they're not being made, that's very important. However, we just don't have the information to support that that's the case at this time. Um, and as far as a Guild Wars 2 perspective, I actually lean more towards like the Elder Scrolls personally out of all the games I've played. However, the limited amount of uh, abilities that you can have even combined with front and back bars and the weapon swapping component, which by the way, you can do that in Guild Wars 2, if I'm not mistaken, weapon swapping. And we know that this is something they're talking about uh, integrating into Ashes potentially as well. That to me, what's limiting about the Elder Scrolls Online is you only get five abilities plus your ulti for the front bar, five abilities plus your ulti for the back bar, right? And you can only use those when you're on said bar. Right. So there's a lot of limitations there. If you took the weapon swapping away or you had weapon swapping, but it altered some things that you've already got in your bar and the bar set you had was consistently there. I think if you had 10 abilities that you could use, whether would regardless of the bar, and then you just had uh, with like that game specifically. I know I'm going a little more ESO track, but I feel like it's uh, definitely important to the conversation. I think if you had 10 abilities and a couple ultimates, and based on what weapon you had, uh, certain things were available to you to use. I mean, that makes sense. And then I'd still have the ability to, like, you know, choose more variety in combat. To me, that's limiting. And to me, I think in Guild Wars 2, there just doesn't, I don't have a sense of that fluidity and sort of um, um, just like, yeah, fluidity in combat and it feeling intuitive. It, it always felt, felt a little clunky to me. Um, I I can kind of agree with that. But that's just I, I played a little bit of Guild Wars 2 um, about a year ago, mostly under the guise of testing out the combat because I heard it was one of the best hybrid combat systems out there and that with Ashes aiming to do that, I was like, well, let's go give it a whirl and see what it's like. The combat itself, like just in-game mechanics, I quite, I, I remember I enjoyed it uh, and, and thought it was fairly well. I played a ranger type character. I got up to like level 20 mm -hmm. or so, I think. 
Um, but the swapping of weapons and having the skills change, especially as a new player, that was a huge turnoff for me. I, I did not like it at all. I agree 100%. I want to have my own class abilities. Maybe put, equipping a different weapon, that weapon gives you a bonus to certain types of abilities or augments or enhances them with, with its own innate set uh, stats or abilities somehow. But it doesn't change the skills that are on your hotbar completely. I, I, I did not like that approach at all. Mm-hmm. And I think I think if, if Ash is going to avoid something like that, and it from everything I've seen and heard, that's not the direction they're wanting to go. Like your your skills are what you spec into, and those are based on your class and abil- um, whatnot. Like that, that's fine. I also very much like having a, just a hot bar of 10 abilities, and that's all you get. There's not... I hated WoW where you could have just like 45 different things, all mm-hmm. macros for different sequences of things and all this other crap. Like it, it, it's overwhelming. It's just way too much. I'm old, man. My fingers cannot be that accurate that quick to memorize that many different things. It doesn't happen. <laughs> so having 10 abilities, that is more than enough, uh, I, I think, to be able to do what you need to do and, and get the job done. Um I, I haven't played enough of ESO to really get in and experience the mm-hmm. combat yet. That is something I need to do when yeah. I'm not feeling like, man, I've just been sitting at my desk for too much today already after work. But I, I, I really, I, I, it, I agree 100%. It doesn't delay. There has been no delays to the game as a result of figuring out combat. They have placeholder combat in the game so that we can test the things that they need to test while they continue to iterate on the combat. I think one of the the big points in um, in one of the posts, as I was reading it before the show, was just trying to figure out why why do we want to have action combat in the game when it mm-hmm. the game itself caters to an older crowd that is more used to older uh, tab target type games, and I think Elder or um, not Elder Scrolls, sorry, I just saw my two year old coming too. behind oh. me. <laughs> threw me off track (laughs) um but i think having that action combat in the game doesn't have to be necessary but i like that the fact that they're trying to experiment with it because if they could implement it successfully and and you have kind of the option to uh, augment your abilities one way or another to be weighted one way or another that just that only creates uh, more opportunity for more players and that's not a bad thing as long as they integrate well and they they can coexist together in a semi-balanced format so that one's not clearly more dominant than the other. Obviously, action combat is going to require probably a little bit more skill and precision. And, and if somebody's really, really good, maybe they do have a bit of an advantage over tab-targeted um, players. But I, I don't think it should be a huge, a huge thing. Mm. So I, I, I'm... I think action combat is something that's going to be really hard to execute because of so many other things that we've talked about in the past. We talked about it on the last show with the hitbox sizes, character models, and ballistic styles, and all of these other things. Mm-hmm. So I think it's going to be a little bit harder to execute. And at this point, I wouldn't be surprised if they just go tab. And and Stevens never once said that that's not their backup plan. Their backup plan is 100% to just go tab target if they can't successfully get the the action aspect incorporated to a a level that they think is ready to roll out yeah it's it's interesting because we had a a bunch of other things you know planned for the discussions today but the combat discussion it's 
it's it's a revolving topic that you know it seems like we have more discussion points around almost every single time and you know when we're looking at ash as a creation and knowing that we can go back i want to actually hit on this point here but knowing we can go back and always go tab the magisto in chat was saying uh do you support the current hybrid combat vision or would you rather have enhanced tab see that's a hard question for me to answer because from my perspective i haven't seen a hybrid system to make a decision on that yet until we actually get some working iteration of their hybrid combat system which is probably going to include some of the augmentation system as well i wouldn't be able to give a i i just have no opinion at this time or view because i i can't i just can't there's nothing to there's no reference point for me to go off of it's it's literally because right now the the, the toggle with a, a key bind between action and tab that's not even representative of like what they're even going for anyway so i can't even go off that um the only thing i can say to that is we i don't really want to see there be a toggle but we know that it's not planned to have a toggle so since i can't really that can't be my point since it's kind of null to the future of their plans anyway i'm still at a loss um you know i'm seeing comments in chat i think that action combat would be baseline with tab targets more situational um and look we all have our ideas on this and i think you know part of the reason that i'm seeing more and more people talking about this is it's it's always a revolving topic in conversation um, I think it's something important for us to continue to talk about um, moving forward as well. And, and I think it's even probably a topic I'm fine with being sort of our last discussion point of the day. Um, when I'm looking in chat, I see like, you know, the advantages, you know, uh, will be small regardless because of the paper, rock, scissors and armor types and resists and enchants. Yeah. And I don't think that it's going to be a super. I don't think at first glance a hybrid system inherently is too much to balance or manage or maintain as long as it's done right which we know from their perspective is what they sh they've shared is what this is like they are going to ensure that this is done right because it's easier to to build off of that foundation in the future ensuring that you make sure that it's solid now to begin with um but you know the thing is 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 achieving that going to to create delays or not? We don't really know yet. At least I don't believe we do. I don't think the tab target, like if they have a tab targeting, uh, kind of it's a backup option that we'll be testing. And, and what we understand right now, based on the last live stream, is they have several different builds that include different implementations of combat to test. So if there's a backup of tab targeting, because nailing that down is going to be important, whether they go hybrid or not, then I'm pretty confident because I don't think tab targeting is going to be super hard to pull off. They've got enough experience on their team, as we talked about earlier, to, I think, come to a conclusion and a build that has a fluid feeling combat in the game, given every, given what we how it, we expect it to play out. So I, I don't see there being delays on that. And, and I don't think that um, pushing for a hybrid system or an action angle on it is going to stop anything. 
Mm-hmm. If anything, that would might come later in an expansion, although that could be very disruptive to the player base if it's not integrated in such a way that it doesn't impact Tab at all. Mm-hmm. You know, I saw a comment in chat from someone who's a, who's new here and welcome in Wellspring here. It says, are you actually playing the game or just discussing Ashes of Creation is uh, not currently a playable game. Every time it's up, we're we're always playing it here. Uh, but you're only going to see the game playable when it's in phases and there will always be multiple creators playing. So usually if you you go to the category and you see one person, um, just keep in mind one or two people. It, it typically doesn't mean that the game's playable at the moment. So and then also to the other person uh, in here, which was uh, Skylark. Also welcome in. Um, I've never played an MMO before. This is an important question to reference. I'm not too worried about combat. Am I underestimating its importance? I'd say to a degree, yes. However, I also want to say that that is going to be very much determined also by what kind of an MMO player you're probably going to be. There are a lot of people that will play an MMORPG and the combat system is actually a very trivial component to their experience because they play for the story. They might play for crafting. They might uh, you know, play for trade. And for them, these elements combat really may not be that important for that um depending on what mmorpg we're talking about what the foundational pillars for that game specifically are um and if there's going to be a specific time to where combat will or will not uh have any bearing or weight on those components now for ashes could this potentially yes what would those reference points be uh well those reference points would be things like caravans because you for trade specifically you are going to need to ensure that your caravans go from point a to b if you want to be successful in large trade in large scales of trade potentially or even on the more foundational level so artisan systems for gathering you're also exactly good point you are going to be gathering if you're out gathering in the world if you if if the combat system is not that great and it's clunky and it's difficult for you um or doesn't feel intuitive um could that get in the way of you being able to defend yourself and fight over something if someone goes corrupt and they want to kill you? Yeah, it could. It could for everybody. So depending on what your 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 thing is going to be and being new to an MMORPG, that could, I understand, be a difficult uh, thing because, well, if you're not really too sure what you might like about the game specifically until you get in there, what if it ends up being that you like the idea of PvP, but you just don't feel like the combat system is any good? Maybe you want to do the castle sieges. Maybe you want to go fight for caravans. Maybe you want to go um, be a thief and go, you know, invest in intrigue or espionage, and maybe combat comes into play there um, in, you know, whatever layer of the game you're playing. But if it is, then yeah, then it could be something that could be very important that you definitely want done right, uh, depending on, you as a player right so it's a very gray uh, uh gray sort of answer i think it's gonna be very determined by what your preferences are but i would predominantly say i think it would be something to underestimate uh being important uh even if someone coming into it because with ashes combat's gonna probably play into a good enough number of the layers of the game that you do want it to be important and you do want it to work effectively and i think trade and gathering and crafting are probably going to be things that you're going to need to be able to play your character effectively and feel that combat you know works for you so but 
I wouldn't say excessively so is my perspective because you know you could probably get away with not having to be a great combatant or having a great combat system and still do those things i think you'd probably be impacted and plateau a bit though on your ability to sort of excel if you don't have a system that feels right for you but anyway um i did want to hit on one other specific thing that will tie into where we're finalizing here how could augmentation be a bad idea or have problems and someone posted about they said it was controversial. I don't really think it's controversial. Augmentation might be a bad idea if set to 25 and later. And, you know, when, what they said by set to 25 or later, <clears throat> I don't want to like, um, and they said here, I don't want to get, I don't want to go through this thoroughly, but says what we currently know is that at level 25, you get to choose your secondary archetype, then can augment your primary skills. While this sounds great at first glance, there is a major drawback of the system. Changes the fundamental game mechanic of the game after dozens of hours or more of gameplay. Yes, it does. Do we consider that a positive or negative thing? And this is a question I we're going to talk about in final uh, form here of our conversation for the show. But I also want to leave with all of you. Is that a good or a bad thing? Right? Is it actually a drawback that it will, you know, impact gameplay and it will cause things to have to change for a player when they get to that level? I don't know, Aftel. What do you think? I I disagree with with the 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 OP's uh, statement on that hundred percent. I don't think it's a fundamental change to the mechanics of the game, and I don't think that it should be available right off the bat. Um, here's my reasoning behind that. I don't think it's a fundamental change in the mechanics because it's simply the way they worded it was almost like they didn't fully understand what augments was in the sense Mm -hmm. that you get new different abilities or new abilities, whereas it just enhances your current abilities. So if you're picking a class to play its secondary archetype, you're picking the class wrong. You pick your primary archetype because that's the the gameplay that's the style of play that appeals to you if you want to play a fighter which i think they references their first example if you want to play a fighter pick a fighter if you want to play a ranger pick a ranger don't pick a fighter with the anticipation of eventually picking the ranger as the augment because you want to play a ranger because you want to play a ranged role in combat that's not not the way it works <laughs> bail mr warden you got to an example i was going to I was going to kind of reference in the Final Fantasy series. But you, you, you so you, you pick your based around your main class. This is going to determine what your what the skills are on your hotbar. Yeah. This is going to determine what is available to you, not mm-hmm. your secondary augments. Your secondary augments are going to enhance those, add flavor to them, right? If you want ice cream for dessert, you go out, you get yourself ice cream. Do you want vanilla or do you want chocolate or do you want strawberry? You pick one. Then... You could you would augment that with things like sprinkles or syrup or whipped cream or raspberries or strawberries or whatever it is you want to put on there to add a little bit of extra flavor. That's how the system is supposed to work. Giving all of those options to a brand new player, and I've mentioned this before on the show, is going to be overwhelming. Ashes has a ton of systems in there. So having something that you build towards and work towards where you unlock an exponential level of power. That's all this is, is adding power and CC abilities, essentially, to your to your skills. It doesn't change how the game plays. It changes how effective you are in combat. 
based on your current play style, perhaps. That's about it. it. The combat's still the same. The class is still the same. You just now have, maybe now if you're running a fighter as your secondary to your ranger, now you get a little bit more advantage in a melee range. If you're running a cleric as a secondary, maybe now you get a little bit more sustain and healing that you can provide to yourself and allies. Like it, it's not a fundamental change. Going running a tank as your starting class doesn't change your ability to tank content dungeons when you pick a secondary augment that isn't a tank. You still play that role this, just the same. So I very much disagree with that part of the statement. And um, the the new player accessibility. Again, it's having too much available to you at the start. It could be very overwhelming and not understanding the base mechanics of your class. I've always, like, I took a, I remember back when I was doing videos, I wanted to do a video around what is the point of even having levels in an MMO, a game like WoW, for example, when all the content is at the end game? What's the point of it? Mm-hmm. And I, I started doing some diving in and research and looking into it. And I, I very much came down to the solid foundation. It's to learn your class. It's to learn your abilities, try out different builds as you level up and unlock things so that you can kind of get a feel for your own playstyle. What's good in what situations, what isn't? How do I like to play this class versus how I don't? So having that linear progression where you have measurable goals to achieve such as leveling to 25 to unlock your secondary augments you learn a lot in those 25 levels in that two and a half weeks played that that the op was referencing you learn a lot about your class in that time and that is fundamental and important how many times as players have we played a game like wow or other mmos or any other game really where you it's so obvious when you go into pvp or even into a dungeon that's like oh man there is no way that person did not just buy their character because they have True. no understanding how to play their class because they have lacked that experience. And that's absolutely huge. You know, you look at a game like uh, Vilmus Warden brought it up earlier, uh, Final Fantasy. Even back in the old school days of Final Fantasy, you would start leveling like a fighter. And when you got to a certain level, then you could branch off into one of two different directions. A lot of MMOs over the past have gone this way, where you level up to level 10 or level 20 or whatever level it is, wherever that bar is, you level up to a certain point and then you unlock a pathway option. Even in WoW, you could choose to go down different talent trees at level 10. How is this any different? It's just a different flavor of doing that it's just a different way of implementing that same uh, specialization into your role if you want to look at it that way learn the basics before you specialize and that's that's huge and i think the way that they're doing it as planned right now anyway is is fine by me the power that those these augments have separate issues separate discussion we'll have to wait and see but in terms of how you acquire them or when you acquire them i'm on board Yeah, I think that's slash a, and rant. Yeah, I think that's another good point though too is that you know, you got to keep in mind that uh, number 1 combat systems like your your character's combat will change over time in a game period. Whether you're talking about it changing as you're leveling at launch or just if it changes over time and if you make a new character it's a different experience later. I mean, changes the combat are the end game for developers with a with an MMORPG or any game where combat's a factor and line that goes long-term 
look at FPS games, you look at MOBAs, you look at literally anything, right? If combat is the end game and the game continues and you have a combat system, eventually they change it. I mean, even games like, you know, um, I'm trying to think of what's it called? Uh, it's killing me. Like you think of like the new Baldur's Gate, right? The, the, the new D&D uh, &D oriented game, right? Like that one, same thing. Like the classes are going to have changes over time. Um, I'm trying to think of the one game I played specifically and it's I'm drawing a blank. Oh, and it's killing me that I'm drawing a blank on this, too. Um, but the studio that's doing the the new Baldur's game, they actually did the old game. Uh, ah, yeah, I'll come up with it. And I'll post it in Discord later. But, you know, it doesn't matter when you've got classes and you've got people playing the game and it continues to be played over time. You end up coming back and having to make changes to the game. Um, and MMORPGs are one of the strong examples of where this is the case, right? And it's not supposed to feel exactly the same at level one as it is at level 50. Like, it's supposed to evolve. It's supposed to be different. You're supposed to grow with your skills. But like like Half Tilt said, your yes, Divinity 2, thank you, Divinity 2 Original Sin. That's exactly what I was thinking about. That's the game. Divinity 2 was a good example. Changes still happened to those. The game didn't have big content updates over and over and over and over like an MMORPG will, right? But they make changes to those, you know, classes because they realize like the players will find ways to play it in a way that maybe isn't intended. And then classes get nerfed, skills get changed, uh, augmented perhaps. They will change over time. It's natural. It's part of the, it's part of the deal. Um, so... When we talk about augmentation and having changes after level 25, I mean, I'm yeah, I would disagree with that statement quite a bit as well, because I want my skills to change and feel different over time. I want to go from using a fireball and having the option to like now in this fantasy world, it makes sense that I could chuck a, spire, a fireball at level one. I'm an awesome little spell chucker. I got my level one fireball. I'm chucking it at a bunch of things, but at level 25, I have gained more skill in how I chuck said fireball. And maybe now I've learned as a, a magic wielder that like I can find a way to, to make it do more damage over time or persist longer or hit harder or split off and be more than one fireball. It makes sense for that to happen. So yeah, fundamentally I would have to disagree. Yeah. You, you want it to change over time. You want 25 things to work differently. And when you get to the end game, you want comprehensively for things to function similarly, but differently. And even at end game over time to have more options and variety. And that's the balancing act for the developer. You don't want to create a system that is so inflated and so many different moving pieces that you ha now have to balance a lot of different things. It's so much work that it's not, realistic and achievable and i think this is unfortunately true for the Elder scrolls online there's a lot of different skill trees a lot of sets to act and proc a different way and it's so much that quite frankly they're not all viable because it's so much to balance all that even for a triple a studio if you have too many different things coming out too many different things that interact with one another not only is that a lot to balance but for this system this foundation of a system of a, a server of a game you want to function well if you don't want desyncs and all these other things you can't 
have too many contributing factors. It's too much to do it. But yeah, I agree. Path of Exile is a great example of a system where there's a lot of different options, but it, they weigh it and it's done well and it's done probably, yeah, a lot of people would say right. Um, but that's where I kind of want to leave everybody. You know, I want to leave that question. What do we think of these augmentation, you know, discussion points? We talk about uh, the combat system that's done well, what we like to see, whether we're talking tab or action. It's a hot topic of the week. I leave you all with that. You can go check out the Ashes Talk if you want to piggyback off of some of the discussions that I read from. If you want to go contribute there, talk about those with those people, uh, with the other rest of the community there. It's there. Go for it. Have fun. Have tilt. Any other things you can think of you want to kind of talk about in winding down? No, I think we summed that up really good. Work for your power. Don't just get it all up front. Otherwise, yeah. get rid of the leveling system and we'll all just play endgame. Like, mm -hmm. yeah, I, that, that's where I feel like that perspective was coming from. But um, yeah, great show. Absolutely. It's always a pleasure, everybody. And look, I got to say to everybody, you know, we might be to the end of our show today, but I just want everybody to keep in mind, right? Whether you're here as part of the round table, whether you're here in chat when we're live, you always want to be here. You don't miss out on some of the things. You just don't get audio format or you just can't see it in YouTube, right? You can't see the chat. You can't interact with the rest of the Ashes fam here or your fellow Pathfinders. And look, you're a Pathfinder. If you contribute, you leave comments on the show, you are here during the chat, you listen to it on your way to work, whatever it is. Remember, you're all part of this journey we're on, right? Much love to all of you. Much love to Intrepid Studios. Friends, until next week, live your best lives, walk in the light, and of course, have a great night, friends. We'll see you again next week real soon. Night, everyone. Take care, folks.